Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Pod Strickland. I'm your host, Shwini Pee, in this episode 182. I am joined, as always, by my veritable co-host, Friday co-host, Prez. That's at Presidente. Prez, how are you? Prez? My bad, I was on mute. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing all right, except clearly I'm not... uh... I'm just out here waiting for the season to end and March Madness to end and putting off doing lots of draft writing. That sounds exciting. I mean, the draft writing is fun. It's just... You gotta write. It's just you gotta write. And you know me. There's a lot of members of the Strickland team who writing frequently is their strength. I am not among that group. <laughs> <laughs> the advantages of podcasting. Um, I consider myself like the Dr. Dre Wears Detox album of the Strickland. Nice. All right. I like that. Um, but we are joined by his name is Jeffrey Marasmussen. That's at Frank Barrett 119 on Twitter. He is a contributor for the Strickland. Jeff, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I. Uh... I just saw that movie Morbius and it was not good at all, but it was either that or rewatch the Knicks Hornets game. So I think I chose the better of the two options still. I don't know. You really between a rock and a hard place there, huh? (laughs) Yeah. You gotta do, you gotta fill your afternoon somehow. No, no moon night. We'll get around to that. You know, you can watch that. You can watch, you can watch that whenever. That's, that's also like uh, it's one episode, right? So it's like, you're going to watch it and then you're going to be like, Fuck! I want to watch more, so it's just better. You're better off waiting, avoiding spoilers, and then binging. Um, but before we get into Moon Knight, maybe I don't know. Maybe we'll talk about Moon Knight. Uh, but before we get into more Nick stuff, I do you need to make an announcement that Strickland does have a Patreon? You can subscribe to it. There's a number of tiers. There's a six dollar tier that gets you access to this pod every Friday. It also gets you access to the mailbag that I do every other week with Jeremy and Drew. Furthermore, you get access to the Strickland Discord, where we talk about the Knicks all the time. Post-game, pre-game, all the time. Literally. Even in the middle of the night, there'll be messages that pop up. So if you are also a fellow insomniac that are that is happens to be a Knicks fan, feel free to join. Get get active in there. Uh, also, there's a $9 tier, which gets you access to my solo podcast, Trick and Roll, which is just a bunch of me yelling uh, more, if that's something that you're into. More importantly, you get access to weekly newsletters, or weekly articles, I should say, rather by the wonderful Jack Huntley and Matthew Miranda, two of the best writers in the business. Uh, there are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and a $100 tier. Those get you access to a variety of other benefits, like access to watch parties, listening in on pod recordings, further merchandise discounts, and even potentially hosting a podcast yourself one day. But... Whether you choose to subscribe or not, your support is appreciated. None of this would be possible without you. And without further ado, let's talk about the Knicks. Um, 
Yeah, I, I don't really know what to make of the game last. Actually, no, I, I have a lot of. I know exactly what to make of that game last night. But for me, that game was basically just a confirmation that over the last week or so, I have been like trying to figure out. Okay, well, if Tibbs is going to stay, how can we Tibbs proof the roster? What is the best way to to make this roster so that Tibbs avoids doing stupid shit? And I think that we got confirmation last night, regardless of the situation of the season, regardless of what you do with the roster. This man will not avoid doing stupid shit. And it is not stupid shit of, I don't understand this lineup. It is stupid shit of, why the fuck is quickly playing 20, I think he played 23 minutes last night? 25 minutes? It doesn't really matter. If he's playing anything under 30 at this point in the season, it makes no sense. If you're continuing to start Alec Burks at point guard at this point in the season and playing him an entire second half, that makes no fucking sense. Uh, I There's so many things about yesterday that made no fucking sense. Um, but you can't talk about Tibbs without talking the other degenerate piece of shit asshole on our team. Our proverbial franchise player, Julius Randle, who has basically just... every The last two games when he's been on the floor has effectively taken a gigantic, liquidy diarrhea level beer shit on the court every single time he's been on there every single second every single moment every single possession he has been atrocious he was atrocious last night i don't care what his stats were i don't care what somebody oh well he did he fucking sucked he was terrible he was terrible 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 sets horrible example for the other players in the team plays with absolutely no passion no energy and i don't give a single fuck if he's getting booed I'm sorry, I don't care. You're getting booed because of how you're playing. Not because people want to fucking boo you. Because you know what? The same people that were booing you yesterday, they're the same people that were praising you to the heavens and demanding that you be all NBA last year, demanding that you be most improved player. You know, MVP chance. MVP chance defending you after your pathetic shit show of a playoff performance. You know, it is a joke. This entire idea that like the fans are being mean to him, get the fuck out of here. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I don't care. Like, like I know money doesn't buy you happiness, but as Don Draper said, that is what the money is for. That's what the money is for. The money is for all of the bullshit, all of the pressure, all of the living in the public eye that you have to do in that position, in that role, in that, you know, uh, if that is the role that you're playing in professional sport. That's what the money is for. Does it come with some shit? Yeah, it does. It does. But guess what? Even Clyde said it yesterday. He's brought on so much of this on himself. Not because he's missing shots. Not because of that. No. Because he's playing a selfish, egocentric, zero energy, lazy, lethargic. Uh, you know, he's just he, just non... He, he's not taking responsibility for anything he's done this year. And I'll just finish with this thought. You can go listen. I've mentioned this before on podcast. Go listen to any post-game interview that he's done. Any of them. Any of them, pre-game, post-game, post-practice, whatever. Go listen to those. Any single time he has been asked about his personal struggles, his issues shooting the ball, all of that, every single time he says it, there's only two responses you get. You get one, this this kind of like casual, almost, he's pretending to not care and be above it, while you can tell every single second he's on the floor, he totally knows that he's shooting like shit. And it's feeding into how he's playing. So that's bullshit. 
The other thing that he does, though, that actually really, really annoys me, has pissed me off all year, and I think it's bullshit, is he will take a question about his personal struggles and turn it into a whole thing about the team. Oh, yeah, no, we, we've all got to play better. We've all got to defend better. We all No, motherfucker, you got to defend better. You got to defend something. Like, forget better. Just defend a little bit. Defend anything. Do something on defense. Because I cannot watch this man play basketball anymore. I don't want to watch him play basketball anymore for the Knicks. I hope he gets traded. I hope he has a great, successful career somewhere else. I don't give a shit. Th- like, this season has been the most disrespectful... Uh, just fuck you, kind of, kind of, uh, you know, just like a total bullshit effort, and and really disrespectful to fans across the board. I don't think players owe us anything. I don't think like I, I don't care if Julius is sitting there, there on the floor like he doesn't need to thank us after each game or any of that bullshit. I don't care about that. You but gotta what, be professional. Yeah, you got to be professional, and That's he's not opinion. been a professional this year. He's been a joke. He has been a joke, and. I have no respect for how he's played this year. And if you want to sit here and talk to me about shit has been hard and Tibbs has done him more favors, and I will agree with that. But he has not... The same thing I say about Tibbs is the same thing I say about, I'll say about Julius Randle. You have to control what you can control. Julius has not controlled the things he can control. You can control... You can't control making or missing shots, really. But what you can control, shot selection, effort, defense, being a good teammate, not being a gigantic asshole the entire time you're on the floor. These are things you can control, and he has not controlled them at all. He's just let his struggles offensively get the best of him. He's let it affect his all of this effort stuff, all the stuff-related effort. He's let it affect that. And he's been he's he's been disrespectful to his teammates. You know, forget, fuck the fans. He's been disrespectful to his teammates. And he's lucky we don't have gigantic... Like, he, like I, was talk- I was talking to somebody about this in the Discord. He is lucky third-year R.J. Barrett does not have the same mindset of a third-year Kobe Bryant. Like, he's happy Maple Mamba ain't Black Mamba. Because I promise you, if he was pulling this bullshit with a third-year player like Kobe, and forget Kobe, you could name a bunch of fucking players before, other than Kobe. But if he was trying to pull this bullshit with him, this would have gotten ugly so, so long ago. Um, freezing out R.J. Barrett yesterday, I don't People can try and claim that what that's not what I, that's what happened. He froze him out yesterday. He got on his bullshit. He needed to prove he's the man. And you know what he proved? He proved he's not the fucking man. He proved he's a joke and an embarrassment of a player right now, and that he should never play another second for the Knicks. He should not. He he has been a joke. And this is his. He's been in New York for three years. We got one crazy all all star all NBA season, most improved player season, all of which he deserved. All of that deserved all of it. And the other two years have been. Varying degrees of bullshit. And yes, has the coaches helped him in those two years? No. But it's weird that suddenly the coach that you know he loved and, and praised so much during his All-NBA and All-Star season, now all of a sudden this guy can't apparently push the right buttons for him. So I, I don't want to hear any excuses anymore for Julius Randle. He can either turn it around or he can get the fuck out of here. And preferably at this point, on the outside looking in, I have zero reason to have faith in him turning it around, given the volatility of his performances over the last two years. So I would like him to kindly get the fuck out, and I would wish him good luck, and him and all of his loved ones can can go to Sacramento or Utah 
or whatever fucking market will trade for trade a ham sandwich for him for all I give a shit because I cannot watch these pathetic insipid selfish just gutless performances that we've been had to deal with all year yeah um I'll use this analogy like we've I I'm a firm believer that you can tell not all of someone's personality, but a very significant amount of someone's personality from how they hoop in different situations and just how they hoop in general. Playing pickup, like, for example, someone might be the kind of person who, even though he's not near the ball when it goes out of bounds, will argue to death from 25 away that that wasn't out of bounds even if the game's not on the line. And you know that's a person who has a little bit of shamelessness. Not in a bad way, but you know, they, they don't care quite as much about perception and they're just they're just trying to get it where they can get it. You know? And Julius this year, he is reflecting a very classic pickup basketball archetype, which is someone who's very talented, but is but views the people he's playing with and or against as beneath him and doesn't want to give full effort because he's actually afraid that he'll get embarrassed. Um, So what you get is a whole lot of bullshit. You get him not trying on defense because he doesn't want to show that he's that invested, right? He doesn't want to show that like, it's almost like not, you know, I'm, flying between analogies here but it's like not responding to a text to show that like oh i'm not thinking about this that i'm not thinking about that girl i'm not going to reply to her when you're thinking about her all the fucking time as you're crying as you're crying weeping (laughs) in the corner right curled up in the fetal position in the shower um oh bro i went out last night it was great i didn't i don't even think about her now yeah exactly that's literally what it looks like that's what it looks like to him and it's like dude we understand you want to be loved we understand the adulation last year was something you haven't received in your life. And it was awesome. And it's hard to recapture that when you're not playing well, but like, it's also not unconditional. That's what pisses me off. Like, yeah. And that's, that's the thing that's I've articulated this on Twitter, but I don't know that I've fully articulated it on the pod. And like, my whole thing is he, this is just, you know, this is not unique among Julius Randall or in basketball, right? There's millionaire, there's insecure millionaires and powerful people all over the fucking world. And the guy is, He's emotional and he's insecure, and and those aren't like negative things, but in by themselves. But like, it's just so obvious that he's trying to do things to shield himself from being vulnerable to the fans and to people he whose opinion matters to him. I'm sure he talked about Kenny Payne, talked to Kenny Payne about all this shit before Kenny bounced for Louisville for the head coaching gig. Shout out Kenny Payne, um, and it's. It's just brutal to see because it's apparent to everyone but him. And if you just said, like, all right, my jump shot's not falling. I'm going to try harder on defense. I'm going to run the ball up. I'm going to I'm gonna cut down on the mid-range shots. I'm going to be more pass first. I'm going to set harder screens. Like, everybody would love you, but you're so caught up in the game of right or wrong and trying to show that you're the guy from last year, the, the bodega Kawhi Leonard that you refuse to try to turn into something else that could also be more helpful. And it's it's just so obvious that he has both feet out the fucking door now. Um, it really stinks because I, I don't even like watching Julius highlights from last year because it's so fucking awesome. 
I hate it. And it's not just the jump shooting. It's just like the decision making, the the passion, the deep, like when he locks in on the perimeter, all that shit. He can't lock in on defense anymore. There were so many times yesterday where it was like an ISO, like PJ Washington ISO in the corner. And he couldn't stop him. And it's like, dude, last year you were fucking locking up like guard. He was in the best shape of his life. This year he has whatever shit he has going on in his head. And he's not in the same level of shape. That's pretty obvious to me. Maybe some of that is because Tibbs is also like doing his Tibbs thing and is finally catching up to Randall. I don't know. But Jeff, let's kick it to you because me and Schwim have been talking shit for like 15 minutes here nonstop. (laughs) I mean, I can't disagree with anything you guys are saying. I'm just going to keep talking shit. Um, Exactly. Well, but actually, no, I want to ask you about this. I want to ask you about this because I saw you tweet yesterday that you would like to keep Julius or something along those lines. It was about okay, selling. So, those. so I, I, I was gonna, yeah, that I, I was gonna go there, but I didn't want it to seem like I was disagreeing with you because no, but you, d- disagree. When, Feel free to disagree. Thanks for no, better, no, no, because no, because I, no, people, but, you know, I agree. I've, I've, I, I've, I, said, I, I've said, I've said, I've said similar, expressed similar sentiments on here. So this isn't completely uncharted territory. And then I've told the press to go fuck himself. It's okay. Shun is going to go cry in the corner like Julius on off nights. Okay, so don't worry about it. <laughs> no, I don't even think about her anymore, bro. <laughs> the 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 thing is is that everything you guys said is right. Like when you when you watch a Knicks game and Randall's on the court, you know, people use the term like heliocentric and w- when they say that they they typically mean people who who dominate the ball, right? But when I use it regarding Randall, it honestly is just how he impacts the lens with which I view a basketball game when he's on the floor. I can't not see the trickle down effect that he has on the team now because it's everywhere mm-hmm. and it's on both sides of the ball. Like, like I wrote the recap for last night's game and I had a whole section about RJ Barrett's defense, which has been bad lately. Like it has, but I couldn't not bring myself to toss in a caveat that was, well, this is a guy who's been involved his entire life. And for like the millionth straight game, he had a great first half and then was frozen out of the third quarter, got two touches, and I was just like, is it, is it uh, understandable that his, his, his focus on defense sort of waned when all of a sudden he just wasn't touching the ball? Like, like how much is, is that a chicken-egg thing? And that just comes back to Randall because Randall's the one who did the freezing out of him. That's why Barrett wasn't touching the ball. And so, like, everything... And there really are two factions. Macri said it on Twitter yesterday. He said, that, you know, there's people who, uh, like, don't like what Randall's done this year but blame Tibbs, and there's people who don't like what Tibbs has done this year and blame Randall. And there's really no in-between. And I disagree. There's yeah, a complete yeah, in-between. I, yeah, I disagree. The in-between is both of them can go <laughs> fuck themselves. That's, that's what the in-between is. And but that is thing- my in-between. I'm walking the in-between line of both of these fucking assholes can get the fuck out. They can both go, and we'll we'll be fine. The Knicks, the Knicks have sucked for twenty years. I promise you, if they suck again, I will still be here deluding myself into why this time it's different. I I don't I don't want like I'm a very simple fan. I'm a very simple fan. This is all I need from the Knicks: compete, compete, give good effort. And for the first time in my entire life, I think as a Knicks fan, I can say this. All I've ever wanted is for the Knicks to act like a normal team and just have 
talent that they've developed and mix in some nice little veteran guys that they sign and develop something and then go from there. And guess what? They can do that without Julius Randle and without Tom Thibodeau, and I will be perfectly happy to watch it. If all we get is a more enjoyable product that goes, what what are they right now? 34 and 43? So if they finish, what, like 37 and 45? If we get the same 37 and 45 team next year that just plays with these young guys and gives good effort and tries and all this shit, I will be so much happier than that than having to witness what I have witnessed this year. And I can't even imagine the pain that you go through, Jeff, because you do like 97% of our recaps, and then you do like these <laughs> 700 tweet video threads, where you, which clearly means you're watching the game a second time to clip, which maybe you should tell Tom Dibodeau that. I don't know if he knows. You, 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 I don't know if he's aware. But I can't even imagine the pain that you go through watching this year's team. And for one week, for one week, last week, for one week, we were able to get away from all of the most unenjoyable misery that this season has given us, partially because of expectations, but partially because of how those expectations have been crushed. And for a week, we got rid of Julius Randle. Okay, he was gone, he was injured, whatever the fuck was going on with him. And we got to watch a team of just these young guys with Burks doing his thing and Fournier chipping in and Mitch, and all these, like, Todd helping out whenever you could. And we got to just watch them Figure it out on the court. Play together. Figure it out. Develop together. Develop chemistry. All that shit that you need to go. Like, you know, you get punched in the face. How do you respond as a collective group? All that stuff. We got to watch that in real time together for a few games. And it felt fucking great. And then, against Chicago and yesterday, the fucking black cloud rolls in and shits on the on the parade and destroys all the good vibes. And, and everything just feels like shit. And to your point, like, Everything changes when Randall's on the floor. You can literally hear the difference in the crowd when Randall's on the court versus he goes all out and then you get this group of like, not, it's not even just all young guys, but it's like the young guys are doing the heavy lifting and initiating of the offense and driving of the offense. And you can hear the, how the crowd responds so differently to that. And I cannot shake that. And I just, I, I it's, I, I can't. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I just, I I I have no idea how you've managed it through this year because I would probably like I I want to punch myself in the balls until I'm pissing blood watching Julius Randle play defense this year and I use air quotes when I say play defense. Yeah, no. Every again, everything you're saying is right. The only point I, I was just getting back to the tweet you mentioned. Yeah, my sorry. Only, my my only point was that if you had to choose, which is the paradigm people have created. And I'm done with this whole what can Tibbs be without Julius Randle <laughs> because n- nothing Tibbs did last night had anything to do with Randle. Like, was it annoying Randle played 36 minutes and Obi played 12 minutes? Sure, yeah, that that's annoying. And, like, that has to do with Julius Randle. And when Julius Randle's gone, that won't be a thing. But Emmanuel quickly playing 23 minutes, which, by the way, raised his season total of minutes per game. That made his minutes per game go up. <laughs> that's unbelievable. Like that 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 should be a fireable offense in and of itself. That's pretty wild. He, he leads the he's two hundred and fiftieth in the league in minutes per game or something insane. And he leads the team in minute net rating, aside from Deuce, who's played three hundred minutes, by like a million. Like the Knicks are like twenty five points better 
his on net rating, off net rating compared to Randall's is like 25 points better. It's like the difference between the greatest team of all time and like a fucking G League team playing in the NBA. And seems pretty good. Yeah, he's <laughs> been awesome. And it's the second straight year. And you can't escape that. You can't escape that all the problems start there. Like, like if he didn't just play Peyton all of last year and he was like, oh, Emmanuel Quickly is actually really good. Let's see what we've got. And and instead, we fell all over ourselves with, oh, well, he's trying to win every game and yada yada. Like, if he's trying to win every game, why the fuck is he playing Alfred Payton? Like, how can you watch that and not be like, oh, yeah, we're getting a really good year from Randall. Maybe we could actually be better. No, it was just, they're above expectations, so whatever. This is good. Um, And then, so, we all realized Payton sucked. We go into the offseason. We need a point guard. But maybe we had the point guard. Maybe we had the guy who fits next to Randall and RJ being the engines. Maybe quickly is actually the answer, but we were determined to not find out. Maybe Obi is actually the answer to play next to Randall for five minutes a game, but we were determined to not find out. I'm done with the bullshit that, oh, if we just get rid of Randall, Tibbs is going to magically change these things. <laughs> that's not, that's not going to happen ever. That's just that that's we're going to have. I promise you, I promise you, if we go into next year with Tibbs and no Randall, it doesn't matter what will happen. We'll have new things to be annoyed about. Let, let me ask. You, let me ask you a hypothetical. Let's just say and I, they won't do this because there's no reason they would want to pair these players together. But let's just say for whatever reason, Sacramento just loves Julius Randall and they're like, we will trade you, you know, Harrison Barnes's expiring contract and like a fucking first round pick or something. It doesn't even matter. Let's just, whatever. It just, that's the, that's the player we get back for Julius, right? Is, is Harrison Barnes. What level of confidence do you have that he would start OB over Harrison Barnes? He wouldn't. It, there's a zero. <laughs> there's, yeah, there, it's zero. I have zero confidence. I, I, was, I, I was talking to Jeremy Cohen about this hypothetical, and this is the only conclusion I could come to. There's no chance that OB starts. I don't think he would do full 34 minutes a game with Harrison. So like the balance of minutes might be slightly tweaked, but because Harrison isn't a hub and doesn't pass ever, even though he does a lot of things fairly well, but yeah, you're, you're, he's, he's, even if he reduced it and it was a closer split, like Harrison starting, man. The only advantage that Barnes brings to Randall is that, And again, this doesn't matter with Tibbs because Tibbs doesn't see people's versatility and try to capitalize it. But Barnes can play some small forward. I know he's leaning more towards being a full-time power forward, but he can play some small forward, which means he can play with Obi with a center, which Randall can't do. So if Barnes started, Obi's minutes would go up because there would be, in theory, the ability to have some Barnes, Obi, fucking Mitch minutes, but yeah, he would start Barnes and it wouldn't be close and we would be annoyed. And, and there, and that's the problem is that there'll be, it doesn't matter what we do. And it's why the whole, like, Oh, we need a point guard thing. Like, I promise you, we get Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson is going to magically not be a true point guard next season. That's going to be the new conversation. It's going to go from, we need a true point guard to, Oh, I guess this guy isn't a true point guard. No, we just need to play our fucking best players. That's what we need to do. And, I don't understand why that isn't more of the topic. And so to bring it all the way back, I am just as annoyed with Julius Randle as you are. You mentioned how I have watched every game this season, except for yesterday's game, multiple times. 
And I hate watching Julius Randle just as much as you do. It's sickening. <laughs> it's it's awful. It's a terrible experience. But in my opinion, if you have to choose, if you have to choose one of the extremes, if we get a coach who knows what he's doing, somebody will enable Randle. There, there's got to be somebody who will give Randle space, who will just rejuvenate him in some way, and we won't have to trade him at the bottom of the barrel of what his... That's what we'd be doing. We'd be... I don't even think we could get Barnes on a pick. Like, that's how bad his trade value is right now. It's it's so low that I don't think Nick fans are giving enough credence to just how little we'd get back, how much we'd have to give up in addition to Randall just to move the hell off of him. So you think and he's a negative asset right now? You have to pay to move ab- him? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, see, absolutely. I don't... I mean, we're all speculating here. I don't know that because, to me, Randall's situation isn't really about coaching X's and O's, right? It's about can he do two things? Can he get whatever's going on in his head to straighten out? And then can he shoot mediocrely instead of horrifically? And if I... I'm not saying I agree with this, but like, I think it would be not unreasonable for another team to think that with an off season to get right, a change of scenery, you can uh, you can work on both of those things. You're not asking, um, you know, you're taking a, a player out of a toxic situation to that player. It's not it's not like I'm, I'm not saying the Knicks situation is a toxic environment. I'm saying whatever for whatever reason, Julius is not well um and and and, and to go along with your point Mm -hmm. um i think that a a a team could say to itself julius sees himself as the guy in new york and that's part of the pro and that's part of the problem if we bring him into a situation where he's not the guy where he's very clearly not the guy right where he's very clearly not the guy he has no choice but to embrace the role player things that he is physically, he physically profiles as being really good at. And I I agree with you. I agree with you to, to that respect, but just to play devil's advocate with what I just Mm -hmm. said, we're talking about a guy who two of the last three seasons has been a negative player. Like he, it's not like he's just been like, Oh, he's been mediocre. He's a negative player. Like regardless of his contract. I would say That's that's definitely fair. I, I just, I don't like you looking at the the past two years because he's he's playing entirely, di- and I don't mean in terms of production. I mean in terms of style. He's in every each of the three years he does entirely different things. Like like Fizz Fizzdale year that was I don't even know what what you want to call that. Last year he was taking the shots and playing like a wing, and this year the Fizzdale year is weird though because he started off horribly because. Mm-hmm. Of- Largely because of Fisdale, not entirely, but largely because of Fisdale. Mm-hmm. And then Miller came in, and like all of a sudden, he was getting downhill more. And he was still doing some of his like wannabe Kobe shit, but he was playing a lot more like New Orleans Julius, where he's you know being a fucking battering ram, right? Like, which is effectively like that's should be the core of his game. And it's like I think that's the hardest thing with him. It's like, can you get him to embrace what he is? Because he, it seems like he really wants to be we'll Kawhi see, I, we'll or see, Paul George type, and like, but what he is is like, like that stuff should be how he counters when they take away 
his battering ram, I'm a big bully bullshit, right? Like, once they take that away, then you can get into your mid-range bag, bro, because they're he's not going to be really good at being a battering ram, though. That's right. the thing, unless he's playing center. So I don't, I I think there's no, and I've said or this on space, Or he has space. Or like, he has space, yeah. yeah. If, if he's in a unique situation where he's, like, playing with Chris Dapps in D.C., then it's a little easier for him. Speak but it like, into existence. So Knicks fans can finally see our fever dream happen, but not in New York. No, so Prez <laughs> in D.C. can summon all of his most hated players into one place regularly, and I can just buy $10 seats and boo the fuck out of them where they can hear me. But you can, also, like, you can also see what Prez's 2018 hypothesis that Julius and KP would be fired together would look like. Yeah, not even 2018. That shit was like... 2016 or something like you got to go deep into the posting and toasting comments but there were many many comments asking for whoever the fuck was the gm at that time to phil phil yeah to bring kp and julius together in the triangle that would have been a fucking tire fire (laughs) he probably probably did not even know who julius Randle was he probably didn't know who a lot of the knicks were man so you know it's, it's it's different when when that peyote hit so uh but yeah no i mean that that's ultimately what it comes down to like the uh, like the argument for like his negative value to me is if i'm another team i don't know what kind of player i'm like yes buying low sounds good in theory and there are certain teams and situations where there's merit to that right like if your team struggles to attract stars and you know you're probably not going to draft a superstar and you have a star who with the ticking clock or something like that, you know, those sorts of situations, then your appetite for risk might go up a little bit, kind of like we saw with the Wizards first signing Dinwiddie to that deal and then making the crazy move for Kristaps because they got to do a little bit of more wild shit because they have to please Bradley Beal, right? So uh, in theory, anyway, so... um. So yeah, like I could see a team doing that, but also like like Jeff was saying, a team could say, you know, maybe he maybe he will shoot somewhere between this year and last year, and maybe he will be something between a battering ram and the wing that we saw last year. But I'm not going to pay to find out, and I think that's where most teams would land. So it, you know, fortunately, it would only take one team willing to take that risk to to settle it for the Knicks, right? Um, but, I mean, to Jeff's, to Jeff's point, I don't... It's definitely not guaranteed. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if we're halfway into the offseason and, you know, teams soured on him and they were just like, you know, there's no team in that with those specific set of conditions who wants to play and the Knicks are like, hey, we're not going to pay to give him up. Get your shit together in the offseason. Come back. And then it's going to make for a very, very weird... Start of the season. So I'm just hoping a team like the Wizards or Dallas or whatever that has limited avenues to improvement and stars, to like Jeff said, stars who are clearly on top of the totem pole um, for one of those teams to decide on a, a trade of roughly neutral assets. You know, someone like Harrison Barnes isn't negative, but he's nothing special either, right? Like, it's just a piece to move on from. So um, that's what I'm hoping. But, like, it's... It's really weird. Like you can tell, they're only playing him because they want him to. It's the stupid shit that teams do, where they try to. They're like, "Oh, maybe nine games will raise the trade profile of this team." Like we see that shit all the time. That's what they're doing. Believe that they were doing that with Kemba too. And every single every single game he played, his trade value went down. 
I just I, I don't even like I, I just want to be done with it. I think they should shut him down. I don't well, think. Any, well, that's I, what normally yeah. you should do because it, exactly like right I now, need, like you're bleeding value. I need the Hawks to just beat the beat the Cavs tonight and eliminate us because I don't want. That's true. That's that I, could be one situation yeah, where I, where it happens. I don't want any more excuses for why Julius is playing because the excuses were still, which by the way, to Jeff's point, like if you're trying to win, you could make a very, very good argument, convincing argument that not playing Julius might help you in that endeavor. Um, but like, I get it. We're trying to win. So you, whatever you want to keep playing him. Fine. If we're eliminated, there's no reason to play him. There's no reason to play him. He doesn't want to play. Look at how he's playing. That is not the effort he gives is like last night in the fourth quarter. I don't know why it turned into like RJ Barrett can't play defense yesterday in the fourth or something, which was like the narrative after the game. Which like I'm not saying he played great defense, but if you go watch some of those plays again, he is responding to like a breakdown elsewhere in the defense, which coincidentally happened to occur when oh when the idiot head coach decided to take off the hottest guy on the floor for Evan Fournier. Like okay, fine, whatever. We'll save that for later. But the point is like. You watch some of those plays. Julius is the five in that lineup. Okay, he was the five, ostensibly the five. He's at the rim. He's in position to contest shots, and he literally. This wasn't like one of those Julius things where he does a bullshit contest or it's a really bad contest. He literally just didn't contest. He didn't contest on like three or four different layups that he was in position to. And I don't know, maybe it's because Miles nearly put him on a poster earlier in the game or whatever the fuck it was, but he just decided he was not going to do it. And that's, then don't play. Like, don't sit there after that fucking Detroit game and, well, you know, I just wanted to get back on the court because it's hard for me and I want to help these guys win and I want to contribute. And okay, then show me. I don't want to hear any of these fucking platitudes. I, this is all we've gotten from this year is platitudes, you know, like it's just bullshit. And yeah, there, there's no up, like his trade value is what it is right now. Like, unless he goes on some like, you know, 2006 Kobe level heater for the next six games, nobody is going to fundamentally change what they believe. His right. trade value if, you, is. if you think he's a buy low candidate, him stomping around like a child and shitting the bed and bricking jumpers, is probably not going to change that. And if you think that, and he goes off a couple of times, that's probably not going to change your opinion either. It'll so. maybe just strengthen your conviction that he is what you thought he was. But, like, that conviction is already there. You know, like, people think they know what he is. You know, he's not changing that with anything he does right now. College basketball fans, join the action on the court during the biggest tournament of the year with DraftKings Sportsbook. Turn your team's victory into your own big win. You cost, new customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. It's that simple. If they win, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still join the college hoops action with DraftKings Pools. Everyone can play free pools all March long for a shot at a share of over $250,000 in prizes. Simply join a pool and answer questions like, who will make it to the next round? And who will hit the most three-pointers? Then track your results. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Now use promo code TBPN. Bet $5 on any college hoops team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook 21+. plus. Restrictions apply. See show notes for details. If you or someone else you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 
1-800-GAMBLER, 1-800-426-2537. That's for Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Wyoming. 1-800-NEXT-STEP, that's for Arizona, 1-800-522-4700. For Colorado and New Hampshire, 888-789-7777. Visit httpccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut, 1-800-BETS-OFF. That's for Iowa, 1-877-770-STOP, and or text 7867, or sorry, that's 7867 uh, for <laughs> Louisiana, 877-8-HOPE-NY, or text HOPE-NY-467-369, New York. Visit opgr.org for Oregon. Call text TN, call or text TN Redline, 1-800-889-9789-Tennessee, or 1-88-532-3500 for Vermont. 21 plus, 18 or over in New Hampshire or Wyoming. Must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, Michigan, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New York, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Vermont, West Virginia, Wyoming only. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See httpdraftkings.com slash sportsbook for details. To bring it back to tips, because Julius is his own thing. And if you want to tell me that you know, regardless of what Tibbs might have wanted or preferred or whatever, that given, you know, Julius's performance last year and the contract he's on, that reasonably the least, he had to play him at least like 33 minutes a night or something. So really, there weren't a lot of options here in terms of cutting his minutes. I can accept that, right? What I cannot accept as an excuse for Tom Thibodeau and his general coaching, and Jeff touched on this earlier, is the unwillingness to try him in any different lineups and environments at all. There's We never presented different contexts to see if, oh, maybe this will get more out of Julius. Maybe we can coax more out of him in this lineup next to these guys. And that never happened. That is on coaching. That is on coaching. Yesterday, you were playing a game against the Hornets, who were closing the game, with P.J. Washington at the five and Miles at the four. If there is ever a time, and and by the way, Mitch, who, like, I don't think he played well last night, but he didn't play, it wasn't one of the Mitch games where he's bad, and I was thinking to myself, like, I hate him. It was just a game where I was like, Mitch is just playing bad. Like, this is just, he doesn't have it tonight. And if there was ever a game and a, and a matchup and, and an opponent where you should try Julius at the five with Obi at the four, whatever you want to fucking designate them. That was it. And we know this because the reason they beat Charlotte last week, okay, yes, they shot really well from three. Okay, that, of course, that, that helps. That always helps. But one of the main differences between that game and this game, to, or that game last week and this game yesterday, is. They were not out-athleted in that game against Charlotte last week. They were not out-athleted. And yesterday, they were out-athleted the entire game. The entire game, they couldn't get stops. Not necessarily... I, I didn't watch it and think they don't have the effort or they're not trying. They're just fucking slow. You have a lineup of Evan Fournier and Alec Burks, okay? And then you've got this version of Julius, which is like... Who know? I don't even know how to describe this version of Julius other than an asshole um, and an unathletic asshole apparently now too. But this version of Julius, and then you've got Mitch, who is 
no longer uh, one of the. He's definitely an elite athlete because one, he's in the NBA. Uh, but he's still like a very good athlete. But he's not the like crazy freakish dude we saw in the first two three years of his career. It's a very different type of Mitch now. And then you've got RJ, who's a good athlete, but he's not like a nuclear, you know, Zach Levine just explodes off the floor kind of dude. So this is your lineup, and this is what you played most of the night. Just look at the minutes. That tells you what. That was the lineup you played most of the night. Those are the five guys that played the most. It is not a coincidence that all of a sudden Charlotte has the freedom of the paint to get into and nobody can make rotations fast enough and they're kicking it and swinging it and guys are attacking closeouts and getting wide open. This is not a coincidence. This is this is directly related to the personnel on the court. And what it tells me is we won that game last week and Tibbs coached what I thought was a really good game. Did I have issues with specific elements of that performance? Like, yeah, I did think it was a little weird that quickly didn't close that one either. It paid off, though. His decision worked in that game. And more or less, I was just generally pleased with how Tibbs managed that game. But what it shows me is he only managed that game in the way he did with RJ getting some minutes at the floor and playing small and doing OB and Sims together and OB and even Todd together. Like, the only reason he did any of that shit is because we were shorthanded because we didn't have Julius and we didn't have Mitch. If he had those guys, that game never happens, and he never coaches it that way, and he learned absolutely nothing from it. Because as fate would have it, fate was like, we are trying to show you something. And he was like, no, I don't care what you're trying to show me. Thank you for the win, but I know what we need to do to win this game. And he ignored all of that. He ignored all of it. He didn't care. And yesterday, the Knicks got fucked because he decided that the vets had to play, and we had to put out the slow-ass lineup against a team that plays fast and is an offensive juggernaut this year. So that was encapsulated so much. Everything about yesterday's performance, from that, from the unwillingness to play small at any point, to Quickly's minutes, to Obi's minutes, to playing Alec Burks for an entire half in the year 2022 at fucking point guard. Uh, and then the, the, one, the two things that I thought were like, Unforgivable as a coach. Unforgivable as a coach. The first one is we talked about RJ getting frozen out. That's coaching. You Tibbs calls out a play every five seconds. He can't call a play for RJ. Now all of a sudden he's mums the word. He can't say anything. That's a joke. That's pathetic coaching. That's cowardly. That's what that is. That is a dereliction of duty. Your guy has 18 points in the first half. He can't get touches to start the second half. He called the, the the end of half ISO in the first half. Who did he call for? He called it for motherfucking Julius, who was like, he started what? I think he started two, two for two, and then I think he had gone like over five or something from the floor. He called the last play of the half for Julius instead of RJ, which was insane. I thought that's insane. Then, again, obviously, the entire third quarter goes, still freezes him out. Even in the fourth quarter, go back, watch the fourth quarter. There were no run plays for RJ when he was on the floor. None. There were there was nothing done to get him going. He had no, and then and on top of that, when they went zone, he had Randall in the middle of the zone instead of RJ. And like maybe if Randall was playing like last year, I understand it, but he's not. He's playing like a really bad processing asshole right now. And that's the last person you want in the middle of a zone where you need to make quick decisions and read the defense to find the gaps in it. That's the last guy you want there. the The other one, the, the other thing he did, and I thought this was so absurd to watch. In the second half, this happened a little bit in the first half, but especially in the second half, this was noticeable. 
he he brings in quickly with 336 left in the in the third quarter, okay? You watch that stretch from when quickly comes in until they take a timeout at I think 101.89 about a minute and a half, 2 minutes into the fourth quarter. Go watch every single possession. Not once did quickly bring the ball up and initiate a possession. Not once. The entire end of the third quarter was the Randall show or the Fournier show. And then to start the fourth quarter, we had Burks designated for some reason to just like like slowly walk the ball up the floor like I'm watching a Marty Schottenheimer offense in the 90s or something. Just three cloud, three yards in a cloud of dust bullshit. It was absurd to watch it. And then we come out of that timeout. All of a sudden, quickly is again the point guard. We're running up and down the floor. We're offense starts to flow. We're getting good shots. And then, and then, and then he pulls quickly after he gets an and one, after he scores 11 points. He scored 11 points from, I think, 10 minutes to about 5.59 when he was pulled. So in about four minutes, he scored 11 points. And he had two assists. One for a three, one for a two. And he pulled him at that point. That, like, so there were two, like, there were two things that people said. Well, he had to make a sub. So, you know, he had to do something. It was a hard choice. One, I don't, I, I don't think it was a hard choice, by the way. Burks had played the entire half. And I don't, I, I'm less down on his performance than other people because I don't actually think he played bad. I think he shot bad. But he did shoot bad. Um, so that part is fine. But if you're going, if you needed to bring Fournier back in, if you desperately needed to bring Fournier back in, Burks is probably the guy that should have come out. Or if you want to be real crazy, could have been RJ, could have been Randall, but it could not be quickly. It had to not be It could have been anybody. Somebody, somebody said that on Twitter yesterday. Like, why are we acting like it's even close? Like quickly was the number one guy who shouldn't have come out. He was the best player. He, he he's was the been only our best player for a while. Right, he's been our best <laughs> player for a while. This season. He's been our best he's player our, this season. Yeah, like, it's insane that it's close. It's insane that Thibodeau's watched this whole season been like, oh, man, it's either Quickly or Burks. Gotta go with I tr- with what I trust. No. Like, oh, my God, all right. Back and, to what you were saying. No, no, I know. It's That's fine. And then the other part of it, which was absurd, is this idea that he had to do anything. He didn't have to do anything. That group had cut the lead down to five. They had cut the lead down to five. They were actually getting stops all of a sudden. Like, they, they were playing probably the best ball the Knicks had played the entire second half at the very least. He didn't have to do anything. And he especially didn't have to do anything if he was going to play Burks the entire second half. So what did he need to do? He didn't need to do anything. You know what happened? This is what happens. If a, good, if a young guy has a good game and a veteran has a good game, He's always going to choose the vet. He's always going to choose the vet because that is how he's programmed. That's he's always so Fournier, in his opinion, had a good game. I I, I will say this: there are a lot of times I think Fournier catches too much shit. I got to say, yesterday's thirty-point game that he had was up there with some of the emptiest thirty-point games you'll ever see. I, I didn't think he had a good game yesterday, but anyway, I, I don't. This is I'm not turning this into the shit on Evan Fournier hour. Um, but he didn't have to save do anything. That, save that for your weekday pod. Yeah. No, but 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 he chose to do that. He chose to make that sub. He chose to decide that he needed to bring Fournier back in and quickly was the casualty. And then the last thing he did, which was asinine, I, which I... He went small, right? Out of desperation with about like two and a half minutes left. Did he go small in any way that made sense? No. No, no, no. No, he didn't. 
Do you know what he did? This fucking guy takes out Mitch and puts in quickly for Mitch. That that's it. That was the sub. So he has. This is the lineup. This was the lineup he tried to combat. I think they're a top three offense in the league this year, Charlotte. This is the offense. This is the the lineup he tried to put out there to combat the Hornets. Quickly, Fournier, Burks, RJ, Randall. That's the lineup. Okay, that lineup lacks foot speed at at least three spots, probably two spots. It does not have any rim protection, and is just slow. Like it's just a fucking slow ass lineup. That and then on top of this, he was having Fournier defend Lamelo Ball at the point of attack. So like that, there's not only was did that lineup match up horribly against as athletic a lineup as Charlotte was fielding at that moment in time. He also had the worst guy trying to defend the point of attack, despite the fact that quickly for the season is clearly probably he's our second best point of attack defender because Deuce is our best one, but he never plays. So that was I, his choice. I would, put, I would put Grimes too. That's fine. I don't care. Um, <laughs> that if you, it could be Grimes. I don't care. Uh, if he's not going to play Obi no, in a moment, like Grimes would play anyway. Right, Grimes wouldn't play anyway. But it's like that is the moment where you know that fundamentally, even when he tries to do a quote unquote modern thing, he will not choose the right options unless he really has to choose those options. Like that's what that showed me. He's not going to learn, and he has shown you time and time again he will not learn. He cannot learn. He doesn't care to learn. Doesn't matter what the reason is. It is like this is what he is. This is what he is. And you can tips proof the roster all you want. You're gonna have some vets somewhere. And somewhere along the line, he's gonna make stupid decisions like this. And yesterday, do we win the game if he makes the right decisions? I have no fucking idea. I would bet no. Because I just don't think we had it last night. But I know for sure the decisions he made last night lost us the game. I don't know if he makes the right decisions, they win us the game. But I know for sure the decisions he made last night lost us the game. And he has lost the margins time and time and time and time and time again this year. And not just small margins, gaping, massive margins, like fielding horrible starting lineups, starting Alec Burks and playing him minutes at point guard beyond all reason. Like, he, like starting Kemba for as long as he did. I mean, I, I, I pointed this out uh, today. But these are like insane stats. I'm just going to say these and then you guys can take this whatever the fuck you want. I'm just going to read off these stats because I think they're fucking bananas. RJ, RJ played 1,096 minutes this year with Alec Burks. 995 of those are with Alec Burks, a point guard, which means those are 995 minutes he played with Alec Burks without Rose, Kemba, or Quickly on the floor. Okay? He has played 680 minutes with Kemba on the floor. RJ Barrett, that is. That's in 30 games. They played 680 minutes together. RJ has played 682 minutes this year with IQ, but only 594 of those minutes are without Rose or Kemba on the floor, which means ostensibly those the only he's only played 594 minutes with IQ as the primary initiator, the point guard, however you want to phrase it. Okay. Last year, RJ Barrett. RJ Barrett has played more minutes with Alec Burks a point guard this year, then he has played with Emmanuel Quickly as point guard over two full seasons. Last year, Quickly played 308 minutes at point with R.J. Barrett. 
uh, without Rose or Elf on the floor, you can do the math. That's short of 995. Uh, 308 plus 682 is just short of 995. This is despite them having the strongest net rating on the floor this year. This year, Emmanuel Quickly with RJ Barrett, plus 5.0. That is the top. That is the top two-man combination in RJ's top 10 most played two-man combinations. There's only one other plus. OB Toppin, plus 1.1. Every other major player combination RJ has seen minutes with is a minus. Every single one. And he and and I think by minutes, that is that is the he's only he's played with five other guys more minutes than quickly, which is absurd. Um it, it none of this makes any sense. And what it leads to is the shit that Jeff alluded to earlier, which we've I've, I've we've talked about previously on here. I've talked about it with Jeff. These are decisions that are not just hurting your ability to win games now. They also make long-term decision-making, which you'll have to face in the offseason. They make it so much harder to make the right choices. Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you mean cellar. the mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallin drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallin wherever you get your podcasts.